It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through right it. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got an interesting one for this uh, Friday uh, edition of the Tom Sumner Program. We always try to, you know, we try and sneak in a little music or movies, Hollywood, uh, etc. But we're going to be all over the map today. Um, in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with... Uh, an award-winning director-producer about a couple of documentary films he has uh, through his company, Gear Productions. Uh, He's directed, produced hundreds of TV commercials, corporate videos, short films, feature films, and documentaries. And he has uh, two documentaries that we're going to talk about. One is uh, Wounded Heroes, uh, designed to help distraught war vets uh, over the loss of uh, Afghanistan to the Taliban. And then another one uh, coming up is, um, and these are both sort of timed to coincide with the 20th anniversary of September 11th. There's one uh, coming up. Let me see if I can get this, uh, if I can phrase this properly. Um Oh, yeah, here it is. Um, another film that was uh, just just released on September 11th in honor of the 20th anniversary. It's called Healing the Heroes, 
of 9-11. Anyway, Michael Gear is his name, and he'll be joining me in the third half of our three-hour tour. But uh, in the middle, in the second hour, we're going to talk. This is fascinating uh, conversation that we're going to have uh, in the second hour of the show today with a young actor, Owen Atlas. Young puts it mildly. He's 12 years old, and he's in a show alongside Kevin Kline and Melissa McCarthy that premieres tonight on Netflix called The Starling. But he was also um, kind of the focus of attention in a film called Little Evil. And uh, that was also a uh, Netflix film. But yeah, his name is Owen Atlas. He's also um, a uh, first-rate sword fighter and martial artist. And he... um, he, he's been in, in several movies, and he's just just a bright, focused little guy. I mean, I hate to put it that way, because he's, he's uh, so smart, so talented, and he's already having all kinds of success. Um, but uh, be sure and join us during that, that second hour when I talk with uh, Owen Atlas. And here's something that's uh, kind of timely. This Sunday... Uh, voters in Germany will be deciding on a new chancellor. Um, It'll be the uh, first time they've been without uh, Angela Merkel in 16 years. And uh, just as as that's occurring, a book is coming out. I think it's due for release on uh, October 19th, 2021 called Dear Barack, The Extraordinary Partnership of Barack Obama and Angela Merkel. And it's uh, written by, um, let me make sure and, and get the, uh, make sure I get the right, the right name here. Sometimes I look at these notes and I grab the wrong name, but it's uh, Claudia Clark. She was a get-out-the-vote coordinator for the Democrats um, abroad the uh, Germany chapter, and she's taken a real interest in, and lives uh, a great deal, spends a great deal of her time in Germany and has some interesting thoughts on Angela Merkel and her partnership with Barack Obama, but also we talk, uh, we'll talk quite a bit about uh, Angela, or Angela Merkel's uh, legacy as she uh, prepares to leave office as uh, German Chancellor after 16 years. So, very timely uh, very timely stuff indeed. A uh, movie premiere tonight, two recent documentaries, and uh, a little bit about Angela Merkel just before German voters uh, replace her. And this isn't where they're voting her out. She decided not to run again after uh, four four-year terms so anyway we got lots of good stuff we'll talk uh, here in just just a moment i'll be joined by uh, claudia clark and uh, i think from germany in this uh, phone call we'll be back hey welcome back everybody this is the tom sumner program uh, 
this uh, this Sunday, for the first time in uh, 16 years, Germany will be picking a new chancellor. And uh, it's, I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but we'll find out from my guest this hour, who is a uh, get-out-the-vote activist and author of a new book set to release October 19th called Dear Barack, The Extraordinary Partnership of Barack Obama and Angela Merkel. And uh, her name is Claudia Clark. She joins me by phone. Hi, Claudia. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Um, Did you know that uh, Germany was going to be changing chancellors when you started this book? I did not know that they were going to be changing chancellors when I started the book, uh, but we did know I I had initially hoped to have it released by uh, the 2020 presidential election, but because of COVID, everything kind of got delayed. So publication was, we knew that Merkel was leaving office, so we decided to release it to coincide when she left office. Oh, interesting. Um, The timing is is pretty good on this, Um, and there's, as I mentioned uh, when I was introducing you, the book is set to release October 19th. Um, It's, but there's already a lot of interest in this book. How much of the book is about the relationship between Barack Obama and Angela Merkel and how much of it is about Angela Merkel and what might shape her legacy? Um, I would say it's probably about 50-50. My book, the book has two theses. One is the personal relationship between Obama and Merkel. And then the second thesis is the overall theme on how important it is in today's globalized world with climate change, with you know, the Iran nuclear deal, um, with uh, Russia, with the rise of the alt-right going on, coming across in Europe, that a lot of what I talk about will be what Merkel's predecessor will have to, what, she will, what that person will have to take on. And, you know, these issues are not going to go away. And so it would be up to the next person who replaces Merkel to carry on. And, and how that happens just depends upon who the Germans decide who will replace her. Do you have any, um, any insights into why Angela Merkel decided not to run again? Is she... Um, lost power in any way or popularity or um, was it you just know, that's a long st- it's, it's a little of both um, I, I really really firmly believe that in you know in 2015 she lost her, her decision to open the German borders to the Syrian refugees created it created criticism and it created on the other hand there were people that thought she was a, a champion and a pioneer for doing that, but she did lose a lot of popularity initially because of that. And in 2016, she had not yet announced, right after the presidential election in the United States, she had not announced whether she had planned on running for another term. 
And there are, and my take was she was tired and she was burned out and just, in, you know, she had had enough. How long but are their President terms? Obama, I'm sorry? How long are their terms? Uh, four years. Okay. Just like they are in the States. And I had my suspicions that she, she really didn't want to run for another term. But because of what had happened in, with Brexit had happened and then with the election in 2016 when Trump won, I think she, find a, she kind of felt compelled that the world needed, whether you like her or you don't, she's stable and she provided stability. And I think she felt that that's what the world needed at the time. And so she, she stayed, and she was, you know, people, she was losing popularity in, in, in Germany, not just because of the Syrian crisis, but also it was just, she'd been in power for, for at that point, for uh, 12 years. And, you know, people were kind of like, okay, it's time for a change. And so I think she, she recognized that. And then COVID hit. And because of how she handled the COVID crisis, her popularity just went through the roof because she handled it so professionally and so scientifically that, you know, she's leaving as she leaves now. Her, her polling numbers are 70 or 80%. Wow. And it's kind of interesting because on one hand, the Germans love, at this point, you know, the Germans like her. And, and I hear constantly that they don't... They're not sure what Germany would have done had, had it been anyone else during COVID. But on the other hand, they also realize it has now been 16 years. You know, some, some of my friends have children who Merkel's the only, pers- only chancellor they've ever known. And so they know it's time. And, and you know, that's kind of where I am. Is I, it's, it's heartbreaking to see her go. But, I mean, she's, she's 65 years old. She's done this for 16 years. I, I, you know, I think she deserves some time to herself. Is that how she'll spend the time, do you think, Claudia, or, or will she be active in a post-Chancellor period? You know, it, it's interesting because people ask her what she plans on doing, and she dodges the question very, very, very well. There's, <laughs> there's, some, speculation, there's some speculation that she will you know, go to Brussels and take a role with the EU. But, I, but a lot of the, the speculation is she has 18 um, honorary degrees from different universities all over the world. And, there's, you know, she, she comes from a scientific background. You know, she has a Ph.D. in physics. And before she entered public life, she worked as a scientist. So there's a lot of speculation that she's going to return to academia. And I just read an article a couple while I was preparing for this interview, and she said that she's going to take some time, you know, she's going to just evaluate what she wants to do. She's going to read, she's going to sleep, and she's going to rest, and then she's going to think about it. So she's not, and she's not giving any straight answers. And when she had her last press conference with the German media a couple months ago, they asked her, and her response was, I'm sure I'll find something to keep myself busy. So your guess is as good as mine. She's not telling. More about outgoing German Chancellor Angela Merkel with author Claudia Clark. Straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs>
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about outgoing German Chancellor Angela Merkel with author Claudia Clark, straight ahead. You know, I remember seeing um, uh, at least one, maybe more, press conferences with um, uh, Angela Merkel and Donald Trump, and it always seemed kind of awkward. Was it was it as awkward behind the scenes as it appeared to be from the cheap seats? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's. If anything, I think they put on a show in front of the media <laughs> compared to how things were. Um, well, you know, one of the biggest points of contention between um, uh, Trump and Merkel was NATO, and um, NATO. You know, you, the Trump didn't think that the other European countries, the other NATO allies, were paying their fair share of their defense for NATO, and which is it's not. He wasn't wrong, and even Obama was frustrated that other European countries weren't paying their quote-unquote fair share. But how they handled the, the situation was two totally different scenarios. There are rumors that behind the scenes in the first um, meeting in the Oval Office when Merkel visited Trump the first time that um, Trump had given Merkel a bill for uh, I forget how many billion euros it was, and he said this is, this is Germany's bill for, for its NATO defense. And Merkel reportedly just kind of ignored it. So, so there were definitely differences of opinion. And, um, and one, of the, one of the things I think is that, you know, Trump just didn't know how to, how to handle Merkel, and Merkel was able to kind of keep him in his place, and he just didn't, he wasn't sure how to handle that. So there were, there were definitely differences between the two of them. Now, obviously, the book is called Dear Barack, The Extraordinary Partnership of Barack Obama and Angela Merkel. Um, how, what was it that created the bond between Barack Obama and Angela Merkel, and does that same connection exist with Joe Biden? Uh, there, there were many factors uh, between Obama and Merkel, and it didn't happen. And I argue this in the book. Their their bond didn't happen overnight. In fact, they got off to a, a rather difficult start, um, and Obama gradually earned um, Merkel's trust over the years. But I think one of the things, there are a couple of things that really, on Obama's side, uh, that turned, that helped Merkel, turn Merkel around. Number one is that Merkel was used to men, Putin, Cameron, you know, other, other men not in, of the old boys circle kind of thing, who didn't take her seriously. And here comes President Obama who really, really respected her. Instead of being frightened or um, concerned about a woman, a bright, strong woman, Obama encouraged it. And so I think to a certain extent, that was a breath of fresh air for America, that for the first time there was a president or a world leader who actually respected her. So I think that was something, there's something in there with regard to that. 
And then the other thing with regard to Obama is that he said time and time and time again that he really, really admired how Merkel came from, you know, she's the only German chancellor from the former East Germany, and he really admired how she was able to, you know, I hate to use the, the term pull yourself up from your bootstraps because that's often used in economic situations, and Merkel was not, you know, she came from a, a fairly privileged middle-class family, but it was still that kind of scenario where she, um, you know, she came from a very dictatorship country where, you know, everything she did was monitored and how she managed to to um, come from behind the, the Iron Curtain to become the, a free chance, uh, the chancellor of a free and united Germany. Obama respected the tenacity that it took for someone to be able to do that. And so it was a sheer amount of respect. And on the other side of the coin, initially Merkel did not, she was very, very reluctant to trust Obama because she thought, you know, he's a very, very gifted speaker. Whether you agree with him on anything or not, you know, he does have this aura about him. And she was very, very skeptical of that. And she thought initially he was all talk. And she didn't, she's like, yeah, he can talk, but can he actually do anything? And when he started showing that there, there were actions behind his words, she gradually saw that she could trust him and that, that he would, to the extent that he could, he would do as he promised. And then the other thing, more, more importantly, not so much with them individually, but on the, on the world stage, is that the United States has a history of kind of expecting that, you know, it's the most powerful nation in the world and it expects everybody to come catering to them. And when, they, when we say jump, everyone else says how high. And Obama didn't do that. He didn't insist on, on a lot of demands. And when he talked to uh, Merkel and the other allies, he, he listened as much as talked. He didn't insist on a lot of, he didn't make a lot of demands. And he, he listened to what they said and then negotiated. And I think that Merkel really respected that. Does Biden enjoy any kind of uh, Obama carryover with regard to Angela Merkel? You know, I, that's an interesting question and one that I, I kind of, you know, I, I did try and research a little bit. And I do know from what I could gather that the the um, Obama or I'm sorry Biden and Merkel had a fair amount of respect for one another when she worked with him when he was vice president. You know, she came and she, there are many many photos of them when Merkel came before. Um, Washington to speak before Congress, and you could see them joking and jovial, and you could see that they had at least a friendly relationship with one another. Now, with respect to what's happening now, I think it's a little different because, you know, circumstances are different. It took, well, she did work with Biden when he was vice president. Um, it, it still wasn't the same capacity. Now um, Biden has the task of undoing four years of um, damage that Trump did to the, the relationship with the allied leaders across Europe. So Biden kind of has to deal with that. And there, there's speculation that no matter who is president, some of the damage Trump did 
unfortunately, is not going to be able to be undone. And then there's the fact that Merkel is actually leaving office, <coughs> excuse me, so soon, you know, nine months after uh, Biden took office, they don't have, Biden and, and Merkel don't have the, the tenure together that Obama and Merkel had. You know, Merkel and Obama worked together for eight years. So, so there, I think that is a challenge in of itself, that they just, now if Merkel were going to be around for another four, you know, two or three years, we might be having a different conversation. Angela Merkel was the um, youngest person to become chancellor and also the first female. Has either of those things impacted uh, Germany in, in, in terms of, of, I don't know, perhaps opening doors for women or, or younger people in leadership roles? Um, to a certain extent, I was just um, I was just researching this the other day. Uh, Merkel, um, she a lot of the a lot of the women, a lot of the, the feminists didn't like Merkel because she, up until very very recently, she refused to call herself she, a feminist. She she stayed away from the word, and so there were people that were upset with her about it, but. I, I was looking at what her record was for for women in across uh, Germany during her tenure, and there have been some significant advances in, in women. You know, they now require that businesses have a quota that a certain amount of women must be on the board of directors. They've increased funding for um, kinder care, so um, preschools for children under the age of three. Uh, she, you know, she is... Uh, pro-choice. Um, she has one of the things that she has. She and Obama worked on together. We're trying to establish programs for girls, for young girls, to enter the workforce. So she has she has done a lot. Could she have done more? Absolutely. You know, there there are a lot of people that don't like her because she voted. Uh, she doesn't believe in same-sex marriage, and that's that's a long story on where. Excuse me, and how that came about. But overall, I <laughs> the status of women in Germany has improved higher under her tenure than even in the rest of Europe. So she has d- done a lot for for women and, and young girls. Now you you suggest that the uh, next chancellor will have some very big shoes to fill, and it sounds like you're you're hinting that they won't necessarily be high heels. You know, I I am completely <laughs> I, I I have my suspicions uh, just because I because of the three candidates that are in the running and the one two of the three are men and the one woman that is running is running in the Green Party and she is behind and in, in all the, significantly behind in all the polls. So I I, I could be wrong, but I, I seriously I would be really surprised if. It were if they were to elect another woman. How has Angela Merkel's um, 
handling of some of the big crises, whether it was, you know, Brexit or now COVID-19 and, and, and several things in between, the, the opening of the borders uh, to Syrian refugees, all of the things that she has had to grapple with, has she in any way smoothed the path for the next chancellor? I think so. Uh, whether one of the things about Merkel's tenure is that she's had some, she's had to deal with some of the biggest crises of the 21st century. You know, she took we had to deal with she had to deal with the the Great Recession. She had then there was the you know Putin's illegal annexation of Crimea, then COVID, and then you know the Syrian refugees in the middle of all of that. So she she has had to tackle some of the most challenging issues. And whether you like her or whether you don't like her, she is stable. When when something comes up and something needs analysis, she will look at it and she will look at the pros and the cons and she will analyze, she will list she will she's willing to change her mind if she doesn't like something or doesn't agree with something. If you come to her with data saying that this needs to be done, she's willing to, to listen. You know, for example, when one of the, the big issues was the Eurozone and Greece, and Greece was in a lot of financial trouble. Right. And a lot and, of people were looking uh, to Germany to be the bailout for Greece. In Germany, yeah, and, and initially Merkel was kind of like, you know what, they can't pay their, they can't, pay their responsibility, then I have no problem throwing them out of... I, she was le- kind of like that. But uh, French President Sarkozy at the time just said, look, look, Angela, you know, we we have to show a little compassion here. And and she did. She she turned around, and Germany ended up paying, like, I, I forget, it's like 310 billion euros to help Greece over a couple, over two or three times. It was just an insane amount of money. And, but... And even though she was initially opposed to it, she was, you know, she, her advisors talked to her, other world leaders talked to her and sat her down and said, look, this needs to be, we need to do this. And that, that was true with the Syrian crisis as well. You know, there's a, a, a heartbreaking story on social media. And if, you're, if people are interested, just Google, Miracle Makes Immigrant Girl Cry. And there's a video where a girl and perfect German is telling, you know, she's a refugee from Lebanon, and she wants to, she's not, you know, her parents, I think, are in a refugee camp, and she's not sure she's going to be able to stay in Germany. And the girl is crying, and Miracle initially is like, well, I'm sorry, but, you know, politics is hard. Sometimes you have to make difficult decisions. And Miracle goes over, and she consoles the girl, and she gets a lot of bad publicity for that particular scene. And then, you know, a couple of years later, she opens up the doors with to the unprecedented number of Syrian refugees when she realizes what is going on. So she had a reputation of being hard-nosed, but you could, when, when facts dictated that policies needed to be changed, uh, she was willing to be flexible about it. And I think that, it, I hope that is... Um, some guidance for the next chancellor. You know, you've referred to her as stable uh, multiple times. 
and and yet uh, and yet flexible. Was was she predictable, or was her ability to change her mind? Did that make her maybe? Uh, uh, did that present some surprises? I think, for the most part, I think part of what got her in. To trouble the most with the Syrian refugee crisis was um, she was unpredictable at that point. Normally, she was very, very predictable. That she, when something came up, a policy or problem came up, she would she would put have her team together, have them gather all the data. They would get it to her, and she would spend eons, you know, like months and months sometimes making a decision to the point where it drove everyone crazy because it was just like make a decision. But the one time I think where she really, she, and so people learned to expect that from her. And the one time I think she really thought with her heart and not her head was with regard to the Syrian refugee crisis. For, for uh, you know, months and months the crisis was, it was becoming apparent that this was getting to be overwhelming. And she, she you know, there's a rumor that she saw a picture of, of a boy in Hungary that had been washed up on the, on the shore, and she saw that picture, and then all of a sudden she, that was what it took for her to say, okay, we can do this. We're, we're, we have now a moral obligation to help these people. And it was done pretty much spur of the moment, without any thought and without any planning. And I didn't live, I was still in the States at the time, but we were visiting. And it was, it was, uh, this was like September of 2015, and I'll admit it was chaos in Germany. The, the train stations were overfilled because uh, refugees were all over the place. They didn't know where to place them because they hadn't thought ahead of time. And I think that while Miracle was right, it was so unpre- it was so unlike her and unpredictable that people were just didn't know how to handle it. They weren't prepared for it. And so I think that more than the ultimate policy was what got her into trouble politically, and why AFD, which is the alt right group, why that why they started gaining momentum. How do you think? Um, she will be remembered. What will she be remembered for? Do you think going forward? I I think she will be remembered as the chancellor that uh, that got got the country through some of the most turbulent times. You know, she like like we mentioned earlier. You know, she began during the the Great Recession. She she helped get Europe. Out of, the, out of the Great Recession, she helped with, you know, she was one of the, the main people that helped keep Putin in line. She was the one that went from world leader to world leader to world leader and insisted on, on sanctions against Putin for annexing um, Crimea, even though that the, the economic sanctions against uh, Crimea or I'm sorry, against Russia, had a, a bad impact on, or a negative impact on Germany. She did so for the the humane component to it because Putin had um, violated the law. And then, of course, 
COVID, I think more than any other world leader, she handled the COVID crisis better than anyone. She, shortly after this, in March of 2020, when things started um, turning and looking pretty grim, she went on, on public television, which was the first time she had done so live in her entire chancellorship, and just said, look, I come from East Germany. I, I know what it's like to live under a dictatorship. I know what it's like not to be able to travel. But we have to, this, you know, these, these restraints, not being able to travel, not being, you know, everything closed, it's only temporary. And there, but we have to do this for the general well-being. And as a result, Germany had a better response to COVID than a lot of the other countries. And so I think she has had, when she rises in the pools, it is all, it's always been because of how she's handled the crisis. When things are going well, that's, you don't hear so much about her or from her. And she kind of dips in the pools a little bit. But when something happens where they need leadership, she's the one that can take the rein and can, and, and can calm people. My, my guest is uh, Claudia Clark. She is the author of Dear Barack, The Extraordinary Partnership of Barack Obama and Angela Merkel. And uh, it's set to release on October 19th of uh, 2021. Um, and and it's uh, interesting that we're talking about this now because uh, as of this Sunday, Germany will be picking a new chancellor for the first time in 16 years. Claudia, um, once the once the book comes out, what's what's next for Claudia? Well, my goal is I my husband and I recently moved from Bavaria to Berlin. And one of the reasons we moved to Berlin is because I wanted to be closer to the Bundestag, closer to the NGOs. So I'm hoping that I can um, find a job in the public sector and the political area of working with foreign affairs or domestic policies in the either in Germany or maybe even within the EU. That is my ultimate goal. Well, I just wondered if you had the bug, if you were maybe thinking about writing another book. I'm, I'm researching. I'm, I'm really interested in the rise of the, the alt-right, what's happening in Germany, and I've begun research for it. But I, I'm, I wrote this book because I have a passion about the, about the subject matter, not so much writing. And my, my real passion is policymaking and politics. And organizing, so I'm hoping that this will open some doors for me in that regard. But that isn't to say, at the right opportunity came along to write another book, I would at least consider it. Well, let me let me ask you this, Claudia, because I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? I do. It is Claudia Clark, author. Well, Claudia, thank you so much for uh, spending this time with me and the listeners this morning. It's uh, uh, very much appreciated, and the book sounds fascinating and is certainly timely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a good opportunity, and I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was uh, Claudia Clark, the author of a uh, new book set to come out October 19th, 2021. It's called Dear Barack, The Extraordinary Partnership of Barack Obama and Angela 
miracle. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. The Tom Sumner Program.com. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. 
We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. There are many shows on the air which are basically interview shows, and they start out in a very austere setting. Uh, There's a interviewer, he sits behind a desk, and in the background somewhere, some figure in the news sits. He's later in the show blinded by a spotlight. I'd like to present one of these shows. They start off very dramatically, something like this. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Wallace, Nightline. Our guest in the studio tonight is Dr. Warner von Warner, one of the many German missile scientists involved in our American missile program. Dr. von Warner, I suppose the question most often asked you, you were involved in the German missile program. You're now involved in our missile program. Was the fact that you were involved in the German missile program a matter of political conviction, or was this political expediency on your part? (laughs) Oh, boy, Dad, one, huh? Actually, I didn't, I didn't have that much to do with it, to tell you the truth. Um, <coughs> this is back around 1940. I was working at a beer garden in Stuttgart. <laughs> and like on Friday night, you know, the waitresses and the waiters, we'd go to one of the girls' pads, you know, and <laughs> order some pizzas and some schnapps and get half gas, you know. <laughs> and I used to fool around with these inventions, you know, and I'd take this tin can and put a firecracker underneath it, and I'd like the firecracker, and the thing go four or five feet up in the air, you know. And everybody say, what the hell was that? Or what a nut that Warner is. Somebody want to get Warner's hat. You know, something like that. Except there's one party. The little guy walks over. He's got a little mustache. And a... <laughs> Piece of hair falling on his eye. He says, hey, that, uh, that was interesting what you did with a, with a tin can there. <laughs> But, uh, but, uh, what causes that? Eh? I said, well, see, that's, um, for every action, there's a reaction, you see. And the, the force of the firecracker is it's, see, it's, first of all, it starts toward the floor. Well, the top of your can, see, it's, every time I do it, it jumps forward. He says, what, uh, what do you call that thing there? I said, that's, uh, that's a Arcot. It's named after my landlord, Irving Arcot. <laughs> See, I was, I was about three months behind in the inch, you know, and comes a knock at the door, and he says, look, Warner, you know, you gotta knock off with the firecrackers in the middle of the night, you know, because the neighbors are complaining. And don't hand me the Madame Curie bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> what her landlord wanted to do about her rent, that's his business, I want my rent. See? I said, look, I'm working on an invention. If it works out, I'll name it after you. He says, you're going to call it an Irving? 
know, I'm going to call it Arkin. So anyway, the guy at the party, little mustache, piece of hair falling in his eyes, he says, that would make a terrific weapon, you know that? <laughs> I said, well, you'd have to get right on top of the guy. <laughs> hit him in the face or something like that with a tin can to really hurt him. I think your big problem is going to be getting that close to the guy, you know? He says, no, no, what if, what if we took a hundred firecrackers and a great big tin can, see? I said, well, we saw of that, but your problem there is, see, by the time you light the fuse on the last firecracker, He said, look, the, the, reason, the reason I'm asking you all this, I'm headed to German people. I said, oh. <laughs> I said, so, you know, congratulations. I you know. <laughs> hadn't seen a paper in a couple of days, so I took a verse. <laughs> he says, would you like to be involved in our missile program? You know. I said, well, you know, I got a pretty good thing going at the, at the beer garden. You know. He says, look. <laughs> He says, it's a civil service job. It's $3.50 a month. When you're 55, you go down to Baden Baden and forget the whole scene. So anyway, all they want me to do, I sign these requisitions. Liquid oxygen, I don't know what it is, I'm signing Warner von Warner, and every month, $3.50, there it is, like clockwork. Anyway, make a long story short, we lose the war. And the Americans come to me, you know, and I've been getting offers from the Russians and all that, and they say, look, Warner, you know, we've seen your name on some of the requisitions, and uh, how'd you like to be involved in the American missile program, you know? I said, look, actually, I didn't have that much to do with it, you see. I mean, I was at this party in Stuttgart, see? <laughs> they said, never mind, never mind, we need a name. No, we... So anyway, I, I, I took the job, and uh, there it is, four fifty a month, when I'm 55, I go down to Fort Lauderdale, and <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. Well, uh, Dr. Von Warner, our time is running out on us. Uh, we have now put a man in space. The Russians, some two or three weeks before that, had put a man in space. Was this the eventual plan of the German missile program to put a man in space? Oh, we, we put a man in space. Oh, sure, back in uh, 1940. I put my brother-in-law, Herman, I put him on <laughs> Well, now, that's amazing because, of course, the, the big problem we found uh, putting a man in space was the problem of reentry. And apparently, in 1940, you had already solved that problem. Well, what problem is this you're talking about? <laughs> well, Dr. Von Warner, we want to thank you very much for stopping by and wish you continued success. Well, thank you very much. Now, are you going to give me the money or are you send a check to me? <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
wash my hands I don't touch my face I stay at home Shelter in place Social distance Don't go to work I wear a mask and gloves Stay away from church I avoid old folks And should I sneeze I do it in my elbow Or up my sleeve Six feet apart can go back to school I'm washing my hands like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu Roku, Netflix PBS and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors and I'm sick of what I see of quarantine will be the death of me the death of me I risk a trip to the grocery store to buy TV and a few things more but when I get there all I can find Honey buns and some mad dog wine I'm washing my hands Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors Cause I'm sick of what I see So this quarantine's gonna be the death of me The death of me You know, they say this is war But we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Porkchop Hill And we just lay here on the couch and watch TV I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid To parachute into Wuhan And find that little fellow that ordered that bad soup I know I'm talking out of my head, saying crazy stuff over and over like, yes, dear, yes, dear. At breakfast, I meant to say, honey, please pass me the pepper. Well, what slipped out was, you crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized <laughs> as soon as I regained consciousness. Old-fashioned radio. For a new generation TomSumnerProgram.com 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 You 
Pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.